This is the Lattice Training Podcast, where we bring you the best in climbing performance and training from the world's elite athletes, thought leaders, and coaches. In today's podcast, I'm going to be chatting to one of Australia's all-time most accomplished rock climbers. Tom O'Halloran is an Olympian, having completed in the recent Tokyo Games. He's bouldered up to V14 and also Sport Climb 9A, and this includes multiple first ascents in both disciplines. Interestingly, he is another one of these climbers, like many of us, who have a family, a proper job to hold down, and still wants to push it really hard in terms of performance. Tom has a really cool YouTube channel where he often goes into some of the process, the hard work behind the scenes and mindset needed to climb hard. And I thoroughly recommend it if you enjoy what we discussed today. I'm going to be diving into the training methods, the mental games used in climbing hard and how to prioritize effectively when there's a lot going on. So let's get cracking. Tom, welcome to the podcast. Hey, mate. How's it going? Thanks for uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. It's fun being on a climbing podcast you do like a whole bunch of the other ones but like to be able to actually just froth proper climbing and not have to qualify words and stuff it's gonna be rad yeah i'm looking forward to some uh, excessive frothing today because i already I, I think i was watching one of your youtube channel uh, videos last night and there's something about frothing and i was like this is a brilliant yeah <laughs> yeah i um yeah, I, I, I just, I, I love it. It's just like climbing so good and like connecting with that again after the Olympics, like the outdoor stuff, which is like my core, I, like I identify as an outdoor climber. So much fun. Yeah. Well, first off, to give everyone a bit of um, background behind your geographic location, the scene and, and where you come from, can you just give us a bit of a, a sort of um, highlight or summary of where the Australian climbing scene is at at the moment and perhaps what's happened in the last 10 years ago or so, because I think a lot of people listening aren't entirely sort of like clued up to what's going on in Australia. You sometimes feel like it's a little bit off to the side. So it'd be cool to hear Down about under. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so Australia is like, you know, that's we're, we're all prisoners of England. <laughs> uh, we all came down here in the convict boats um, and climbing. Yeah, it, it's it's had a pretty rich history, I think, along with many other countries that kind of um, it kicked off, I guess, around the, I, I don't know, there's so much of it for 100 or so years, um, but you know around the 50s it kind of kicked off every everywhere else and um there's a lot of really psyched people and there's kind of it's quite a spread out area like Australia is massive I, I think you can fit like six Frances in Australia but 99% of the population lives within something like 100 kilometers of the coastline so there's like so much of it that is just nothingness. Um, and so we end up getting like, it's, it's all quite spread out, mostly across the East Coast. And I guess we've kind of got our main capital cities, Brisbane, Sydney, Canberra, Melbourne, that kind of skirt across the, the coast. And that's where our population centres mostly are. Um, and around there, you get quite cool little climbing scenes um, in those cities. I, I grew up in Brisbane which is uh, now a, a thousand kilometers 
north of where I now live in the Blue Mountains. So I moved, packed my car up 10 years ago and moved down to the Blue Mountains. And because it's just like the epicenter of Australian climbing, it's an hour and a half west of Sydney. Um, and there's like literally, I can walk out of my back door and walk 10 minutes to some of the best rock climbing in the world. Like it's awesome. And like it's the, the highest concentration of most psyched climbing people um, in the country. So it's an awesome spot to be. And this is where like the, the predominance of route development is. Uh, it's where we've got, you know, the highest concentration of routes in that 34, 35, like 8C plus 9A uh, bracket. Um, yeah, and it's just, it's really good. And, and it's, it's a, I guess, a good place to live for climbing to to work and like have a professional life as well and not just live in the dirt kind of thing like you know my partner's a dietitian most of my mates are you know physios or, or teachers or you know the proper job um people so um or have you know a trade background or something like that and it's just a, a really great space to be um and we, yeah we've seen some really cool development with the explosion of climbing in the last 10 years um, yes, yeah, some really good development uh, of climbing areas in the last 10 years in Australia, which has been really cool. And what's the, what's the climbing like right at the top end in Australia? Like, why, why do we not, and I know you've got loads of really, really good rock um, and you've got plenty of yeah. good gyms. Why is there, why do you think that it, doesn't have loads of the cutting edge stuff over there like what's your view on this because you've we you don't know. we don't have enough limestone is the the short answer to that question like we've got sandstone which anyone with, that's familiar with sandstone it just it either it just throws up blank rock um or or it's like you know the blue mountains here for anyone that's been like it's just got these big horizontal breaks across it. So Elphinstone's like our big main crag. It's got uh, two, two nine A's. It's like the highest concentration. It's our like awesome spot. And um, there's just horizontal breaks every five meters that are just like camp out rests. So there's like, you know, double digit boulder problems in there, but then you're getting almost a reset rest. And it's like, if that wasn't there, you, you know, you want to go up with a cement truck and just fill it in. So that you don't, obviously, because that's bad juju. Um, but, you know, you would just have 9B, but we, we don't have that. There's just these massive horizontal breaks or you get just blank rock. And so there's just not a hold or it's too viciously sharp or, you know, it's just, yeah. Whereas you, you see like limestone um, is able to throw up more subtle features that are trickier to hold on to. Uh, and more continuous and not the big like camp out jugs and that sort of thing. So for sure, I think that we've got climbers that are capable of climbing at that level. Like my mates, Lee and Ben Cossie, like properly good, but we just, um, you know, we're down the bottom of the world and it's, it's prohibitively expensive for a lot of us to get up to Europe too often. Um, no one's professional you know, we get a little bit of pocket money from sponsors, um, which is awesome, but it's, you know, you, you've got to keep a proper job and 
um, all that. So yeah, it's like we're all like searching for the next hard route, and you're just like, oh, it's got to be there, it's got to be there. But uh, yeah, there's a couple around that are you know potentially a little bit trickier at the moment. But then you've got to you know once the holds start getting a little bit smaller, you got to end up with like the right conditions, and you got to have the day off work, and <laughs> you got to be feeling good. Your skin's got to be good, and all that sort of thing. Like it's rained for seven months in australia at the moment we had half a meter of rain last month oh. where i live like it's, it's just like properly properly grim um so we're all just like stuck inside just climbing on our boards yeah um but you know there's like there's so many strong climbers here like you know james cassie um you know he's he's bolted b14 i think um and flashed 8b in font no slouch. Um, Chris Webb Parsons, now Taylor Parsons, um, you know, properly mutantly strong and good, you know, did B15 um, in Waco and Magic Wood and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. So I don't know, long answer. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, we, we, it's just, um, it's rock tight, essentially. Okay. Yeah. We just don't yeah. have lots of limestone here. Yeah. I'm always. As I say, I'm always interested in um, these differences in in different areas and around, yeah, like the things that provide limiting factors. Because for the for the greater part, we all have around the same training knowledge, similar training mm. tools nowadays. Like it's not like you can't get hold of a system board in Australia versus Germany versus China. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Some of these like limiting factors around, like I mean, I think we have often have been through similar phases in the UK around the emphasis in certain periods around uh, trad climbing and the fact that physically it's not very difficult and it's more of a mental game. And in some ways, I think it's actually held back our climbing at points. And I've seen that in other countries where I've gone, where there's a very strong uh, ethic around uh, boldness and harder climbing, not so hard, but you end up with climbers who aren't as physically capable in these areas because of the emphasis where the sort of the social kudos is um in certain types of climbing um let yeah, me just I, I often I, I find that quite interesting as well is like that that um kind of hive brain sort of thing that like you know the, there's one person of influence that kind of creates this culture and and it um becomes this limiting thing for everyone it's like you know where it's like oh it's it's better but yeah we we promote run out above like sketchy gear or something and and that's what we we lord mm. so you're you're obviously a very capable sport climber and boulderer v14 uh could arguably say v15 if you uh start kind of including uh things like the 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 massive long link ups in the cave um and yeah the wheel of life yeah, like yeah. debatable uh, grades on that, but you know, nine A as well. For which is an which is for me is always interesting because you are able to climb at a very high end sport, but also boulder. So, and lots of other people are really interested in doing that, and they want to swap in and out of like focus of bouldering for a season or sport climbing for a season. How do you? What's your method or approach to? being able to swap in and out of like, now I want to climb really hard on boulders and I'm going to accept I'm not so good at sport or now I want to focus on sport. How do you manage that within 
your lifestyle considering you're also quite busy yeah i i um i definitely think it's really good to be congruent with what your goal is and really settle into that goal and it's like cool like this year is going to be a sport climbing year and all my eggs are going to be in that basket and i'm going to let go of what you know my identity as a boulderer is and accept that you know if like you know this grade was what i could do at my peak it's going to be okay i'm going to accept that my power is going to come down and i'm going to pursue my sport climbing goals i'm, I'm moderately lucky in australia in, in the blue mountains as well that because we have all those big horizontal breaks our cruxes tend to be a little bit more bouldery so you always are bouldering a little bit um but yeah, I, I think it, it's that uh, be, have both feet on one side of the fence. Like if you want to be a sport climber and really push that, you need to, to accept that that's where you're going to be and, and commit to it fully. Um, I, I, I hate doing endurance work, but I love the feeling of pump on the cliff. So like I'll go out and I'll get pumped at the cliff and just do laps and you know, at that hard level, not, um, you know, at maybe 80% or something as well. I find that like really, I've got to be switched on. I've got to be trying hard, um, but I'm, I'm not into doing just like those dirty, like dirty laps where you've done like a thousand miles in a day on the wall. Um, yeah, just that like, uh, yeah. Um, and then the bouldering, like I've, I've done that this, yeah, it's kind of the first year I've really committed to my bouldering. Um, and the other week I went out sport climbing and got viciously pumped. And I've always kind of hung my hat on my endurance ability because it's always just kind of come naturally to me. Uh, and yeah, it was a bit of a like, oh, wow, that's like, it's not there. And anyone that has kind of been a sport climber and gone to bouldering knows that feeling of like, what it feels like to push through and then when you, when it's not there and you're just off because that energy system has just packed its bags and gone on holidays um it was a bit of a shock but also this kind of moment as well where you're like oh i have actually like for now pushed that to the side and it, it felt like this little like almost um you know an xp point in your <laughs> video game where it's like you've unlocked boulder like you now have no, no, like, you know, root endurance. Um, I was going up this route that is, you know, it's a, it was like a eight B or something, which I've done like so many laps on. It's just like jugs for me. And I was like so boxed and fell off like before it even started to get hard. It was just like, Oh wow. It's like not here. Um, so yeah, I, I really think that just like congruency and being like, okay, cool. I am doing this. This is what I'm doing. I'm doing this. This is what I'm doing. And and they can um, they can mingle together. Um, I, I generally like to keep a bit of bouldering snappiness happening uh, when I am sport climbing because I think that having you know for the roots that we've got here, it it doesn't um, doesn't hurt to have just a little bit more in the tank, a little bit more of that bouldering power. So if you were to break it down and uh sort of describe what a average or typical week would look like when 
you're wanting to and I'm going to ask to have this in both like basically base phase and then also mm. performance like projecting phase what would be your split of high intensity bouldering or fingerboard work versus you know roots longer volume work in both base and performance like how do you balance that because you said like I'd like to keep my hand in but what do you mean by that like is it a session a week is it three sessions a week like yeah um generally like so where I live we don't have like a, a roped climbing gym uh it's just bouldering and mostly like just short boards um so keeping that like that bouldering is always kind of just happening uh and the endurance work for me I like to have happen at the cliff but we do do lots of circuits um under the house as well so I guess like for if I'm just having like I'm just climbing over summer it's hot you know it's 30 something degrees celsius um I'm probably getting out to the cliff and doing four or five routes uh that are after my warm-up uh that are at like 75 percent to 70 to 80 percent of my max so for me like i've climbed 9a uh and that'll be like roots at around you know 30 to 32 that i know um and maybe they're mixing in a little bit there'll be like a, a summer project um and generally like two board sessions a week um but i won't be necessarily going into that like projecting board climbing it'll be more like volume because i just don't feel like pushing it so much so it'll be um just having fun on boulders up to around maybe be 10 ish um, and just getting a lot of climbing in uh because summer's pretty hot here in australia and it's nice to kind of just you know we we get really gluttonous over winter and spring of the conditions and you just kind of feel like you need a bit of a break but i love to just kind of keep my hands chalky um and then when i get into the actual um red pointing time for for sport climbing a lot of my focus will move into yeah keeping my bouldering up because like we don't get a lot of climbing in when we're actually red pointing like you're trying to save skin you're trying like this the holds are pretty vicious and you've generally rehearsed up to you know where you're falling off the crux and you're not getting any new climbing in as well so i like to try and uh, if i'm red pointing maybe you know you're getting out two days a week or you're having a, a good day one day i'd like to try and fit in other climbing on my second day where i've got maybe like a second tier project that i'm trying to knock off or go and do a bit of volume um honestly most of my climbing is either like a strength workout or a board session. My fingerboarding is, I have a love-hate relationship with fingerboarding. Um, I, I feel like I get a lot of finger strength training out of my board climbing. And so I don't wanna to flirt too much with doing too much um, fingerboarding as well. Cause I, I feel like I, I can do too much on the fingerboard and then hurt myself. Um, and I feel like if I'm getting the strength out of my board climbing, I'm not going to push it too much more on the fingerboard. So I, basically um, I wouldn't do more than three days of finger intensive 
climbing in a week, no matter what was kind of going on. Um, in the lead up to the Olympics, I did a bit more than that perhaps, but the board climbing didn't really happen and it was more like comp style boulders. Mm. So I guess that's, um, that kind of makes sense. But yeah, basically I think that there is a lot of emphasis on needing to fingerboard and it's a super awesome tool if you need to use it and you see benefit in it. But I, I, I think that climbing will always trump anything for me um i I find way more motivated Uh, me for training i want to find the things that make me motivated to actually do it i really don't like training i find it really tediously boring and unless i'm like driving at something i won't do it and so i need to find the least resistance possible basically i want to make it as enjoyable as possible because you come in from a day of work you're totally buggered you really don't feel like going and strapping for me i don't feel like strapping extra weight to myself and hanging off a 10 mil edge i want to go under the house whip out the i got the stoked app on my board and just like run through a bunch of awesome projects that i've got I'm like yeah that's like that gets me excited that gets me ready to go uh and that actually gets me doing a session. Whereas if it's a fingerboard, it's like, uh, I guess I guess I could probably vacuum and sort out the washing and I'll just go off in another direction. Um, so yeah, it's all, all gone a bit of a mess um, with my explanation here. But I guess like for um, a bouldering, bouldering at the moment so at the moment i'm concentrating on bouldering and upping my power because i really feel like it was a thing that was kind of lacking being a sport climber uh so i'm doing essentially one one project session a week of bouldering one hard boulder session and two just kind of like volume type sessions so my project session is a warm-up i do a few boulders up to about b10 b11 and then my projects are around that like b12 to maybe b14 range on my board or b13 or something like that um my hard boulder session goes up to about v11 uh and they're things that i can generally get done quick enough like if it's not done within a three or four goes i generally feel like oh cool i know i can do this quicker something's going on i'm just going to pull the brakes on this session and um yeah just take it easy change the the stimulus um and i'll probably in in that session like a hard boulder session it'll the actual the majority of the work will probably last 30 to 40 minutes. Um, good few minutes rest in between each thing. I like to put as many barriers in the way to pulling on again as I can uh, because I'm really good at just hamster wheeling on the board. And so like I'll take my shoes off. I'll sometimes I'll go and like wash my hands so that I need to like have them dry and go like 
chalk up again. It's under my house, so I've got it's like all pretty easy. Um, I'll go and brush the holds and make sure that I've brushed the holds all for a few minutes each. Um, and like to get like that two to three minutes rest in between. Um, yeah, and probably four or five folders come up with a new one, maybe. Uh, and then the easy board session is generally up to V8-ish and maybe there's a few circuits thrown in there just to keep things ticking over because I like to keep my insurance work happening um, or just like tinkering away in the background a little bit just to have that capacity. I think it's really important even as a boulderer to just have that ability to do work. You know, it, it gives you the ability to go for a little bit longer in the day. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, th I think this is one of those things that um, uh, a lot of boulderers still to this day aren't necessarily addressing. And like, I mean, we've been doing at Lattice for years of building work capacity in boulderers and building a decent, and I'm not going to say amazing, but decent level of aerobic capacity, efficiency, volume um, that supports their high level work um just even often from the sake of like injury robustness um yeah. but, and it's like there's so many nuances to this like volume aerobic side of things that contributes bouldering especially right at the high end because even like from a simplistic point of view is that when you work right at your limit and you're approaching your genetic capacity you're dealing with this kind of factor of like decreasing return on investment so you have to put more and more in to get an ever sort of decreasingly small amount out but to do that you're constantly operating at a very high load and you're pushing your body and you're pushing it and for multiple years so your recovery has to be really good your body has to be able to deal with a lot and if you don't have that work capacity and that general conditioning to be able to do it you just become more breakable so it's kind of like this really long-term approach that people should take i think to their their sport that if you want to stay in this long run you want to go to the high end support it with plenty of volume work it doesn't need to be all year long and it doesn't need to be for 20 years but it's a really good thing to do overall yeah and it just gives you an opportunity to to explore new things as well you know like it, it's just um I, I think it's so important to continue to learn through all of your climbing life uh and if doing a little bit of endurance work is a part of that like it's it's so so beneficial uh, it's just i think as soon as you become stuck in your ways and you're like no, no no that's not how it's done it's done like this i think that you need to just check yourself take a step back and go oh hang on like why what's the harm what's the harm in just seeing what needs to happen like the, the amount of work that i needed to do to train up for the Olympics. Like there was so much work and it was all based on trying to get stronger and better. Um, but there was so much work that the volume was intense and I needed that base behind me to be able to, to do that. And anytime you, yeah, as you say, as you want to push, it requires a ton of effort mm -hmm. and you need that capacity to be able to do the work. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and I'll say one last point on this as well before we, uh, I want to make sure we move on to uh, um, uh, stuff around mindset um, uh, in a second. But um, one thing that I think is also kind of like fits in with that. And this comes down to like, you know, comp competitors, Olympics, um, going and trying your project and getting 
two, three really good goes in a day is the way I try and describe it as being whatever your goal is and what you're trying to achieve in it, whether it's two or three red points on your 514, your 8C, whatever it is, or a competition day, is that if you want to get into peak form and feel amazing in that particular workload, so two to three efforts in the day, or six attempts on a boulder problem in whatever amount of time, plus two um, like qualification routes, is that when you get into peak form, it has to be by the nature of this sort of periodization and peaking methodology, it's got to be lower workload than what you did in your base. So if in your base, you're not working over the event, the demands of the event, it's very hard to get your body to go, oh, I'm feeling good in this environment because it goes, this feels just like base training. This is awful. I'm maxing out. I'm, I'm, I can't recover. You don't feel great. You can't peak. And even from that point of view, that's why that principle works so well. Yeah, totally. Like the, uh, if people get too caught up in all of the, the strength numbers and everything. And like, I get asked all the time, it's like, how can you like not be able to hang that on the hangboard and you still climb better than me? It's like, because I've done a lot of climbing, like I've done a lot of climbing and there is so much to learn. There is so much, like so much to it that it's just, it can't be can't come out on game day unless it's happened in the past. It's like your ability to climb happens from lots of climbing. And if you want to push yourself further, you need lots of climbing and lots of work behind you. Mm. For sure. So mindset, mental games, sports psychology. I want to focus in on one particular word and element. And it's one that a number of us, Lots of us are very keen at our workplace over here in the UK. And I know like Maddie has spoken about a number of times and I've heard you also mention it on your YouTube channel um, is curiosity. Mm. Why do you, and I love this word and I'm like really into it around climbing. Why do you think curiosity is so important? Uh, I, I think that, if you're curious, you've like you, you begin with an open mindset, and I think that that is the most important place to start with anything. Like if you know, we're all trying to become better at climbing, which means that it is a challenge. And if you approach a challenge with an open mindset, you're open to all of this input and in a really positive way, and you're kind of you're searching for an answer without any uh you don't have any anchors kind of holding you back you're like you're just searching for it and being like oh what does this look like and th there's no bias or anything that's clouding your judgment and i think that that is so incredibly important and there's no like oh that was that was wrong it was like hmm not quite maybe there's something else and, and so like you know a boulder problem i i just did so I, I just drove down to the Grampians on, uh, drove down, it's a 12 hour drive. Had two days bouldering, drive 12 hours home uh, and got home yesterday. And I was trying this project and I was really psyched to try and make it happen. And it's a first ascent and it was hard. And you just like, 
it's just me here trying it. What do I do? And so you just like, your brain has to just open up to all of the possible ideas. And I kind of came up with these three methods and you're like, mm, it doesn't quite work, doesn't quite work. And it's like this, it's such an amazing um, opportunity to explore that like curiosity mindset. And in the past, I've been like too hungry to chase the answer. It's like a dog chasing the postie and you're like, ah, I'm going to go get it. And you, you miss out on all of the other things. Like I think that, um, is it Arno Ilgner was talking about soft eyes and just having this like, you know, just feeling it all out. And so the eventual solution to this boulder that I did was a combination of all three of the methods that I kind of chose or was like playing with. Um, and part of that like beta finding came down to like me watching footage of myself climbing from day one that I could then apply on day two. Um, but I think, yeah, it's basically, it's, if you can approach with curiosity, it's like the best starting position to come at it from because there's no ego involved. There's just like openness to what's going on. And I think any time that I've found myself in a position where I get too locked into like, I just need to get to the finish. We're not a sport that allows that. It's not a deadlift where it's just like, oh, I just need to pull this off the ground. Like you need to have, it's like, problem solving I, I think that um you know if you look at problem solving i'm sure a psychologist could tell you that your ability to be uh have your brain work in a functional problem solving way it needs to be relaxed i would imagine mm. um and a lot of the sports psychology stuff that they do with like the you know, olympic athletes is their ability to uh deal with adverse uh, situations in a stressful environment and make it feel normal for them and make it feel like, yep, yeah, this is cool. I've been here before. I can do this. Um, so basically bringing it back to a calm state of mind. And that this happens when you're trying to find a sequence for a first descent or during an onsite. Like you, I've, I love onsighting for this reason because you've got to, um, you've got to be on the cliff and fully commit to a sequence and it either works or it doesn't. And that's a, that's a scary thing. Cause it, you know, it's, you only get one attempt ever at an onsite, but you're, you're also taking in all of the information with those soft eyes and like, cool, do as much learning as I can from the ground. And there's also then a ton that you've got to take in while you're on the cliff as well. And, um, being curious and not too overly critical is just yeah I, th I think the the best possible place to come at it from and it's it's takes work you know mm. i get too locked into it sometimes like goal orientated oof um and you just got to take a step back and how do you take that step back in those times and i see it a lot when people are uh projecting and they get like the setback thing and a whole breaks or they suddenly realize their sequence doesn't work actually or they're having just a crap mm. day and they completely lose that curious mind and that more oh yeah like sort of open 
oh, what about the possibilities? Oh, this is interesting. This is cool. Mm. So we're suffering a setback, setback right now. What do you do for that? I, I think it's an ongoing battle, hey? I, it's, it's never something I think that will be necessary. You know, it's going to be a difficult thing to master. Um, I really like with my projecting to have like a goal for the day that is not necessarily uh, tied up in like a an achievement as like in terms of like I want to red point today because that's difficult to quantify. But if I step off the ground and go, cool, today on this attempt, I'm going to try and uh, uh, breathe really well while I'm clipping the third quick draw. I, I'd like to be really present while I do this. Um, and, you know, you, you do also have, like, I would like to one-hang it today. Um, but I think just having those, those tangible and intangible goals in your day is, is a big thing. And, and also, like, having a climbing partner or, you know, you're just someone that you trust and you can rely on to, to talk about it as well. That can be, like, sometimes, you know, you go pretty deep into the sort of psychosis of red pointing and just having someone that can check in with you and that you can talk to it about and that they yeah you've got trust so that you can be open and honest and they can be open and honest with you and they're just like hey i think it's probably time to i've done it in the past where you're so close but you keep on falling off in this one spot and you're like i i need to take a step back i need to go and like do some other climbing and just release my headspace at the moment and you know come back and then it's all good but i think um doing your best to check in with it each time each like each even if it's just the beginning of the day like i'm going to be curious about this one thing uh because you know we have our goal of like i want to try and get to the fourth draw i want to try and do move five from the ground but also have the goal to to have uh yeah just just a, a curiosity as to what things feel like what it does like yeah it, it's just it's another tool it's it's hard to explain i guess but um yeah just people can use it and bring it in and see where it sits in there climbing day but um mm -hmm. i think it's yeah. just it's it's a it's a tool that you want to use know it's there but also practice using it and like many of the approaches that you can take with your mental game in climbing or any sport really is that they're not just these magic pills that you take and it's just like a key and you put it in the door and it just unlocks it straight away just like mm. a, a single fingerboard session doesn't create strong fingers these um, and because i think mindset and the brain is like this gray thing that no one quite understands it feels very subjective um and qualitative they uh don't yeah they don't necessarily tie those normal practices that we do in terms of technique and physical training back into mental game practice it be purposeful intentional 
and reflective and watch your own process and see how you improve it over time. And everyone that I've met who is really good at this stuff is very, very practiced at it. And they've spent, yeah. and we're not talking two or three years, we're talking 10 years, 15 years, 20 years getting good at these things. So if you're out there listening and going, oh, I find this really hard and I find it a struggle, I promise you everyone else who's good at this has also found it a struggle, but they've been consistent for a really long time with it. Yeah, and I'm um, I'm like just at the beginning phases of like dabbling with meditation and that sort of stuff. And it's the same kind of learning curve where it's just the person, it's just on the app and they're like, hey, it, this may feel like you're not achieving anything at the moment, but it's like that is how it starts. It's like, you know, uh, I, I think that um, there's a Tony Robbins quote or something where he's talking about like life or whatever in this skill and he's like you know you someone didn't just like watch their baby attempt to walk for the first time the baby falls over because they can't do it and they're like oh the baby can't do it anymore no nah, it's what what's the point they'll, they'll never walk it's like it's this process and we all just like take for granted that we will be able to walk and it's like we can take that approach to our climbing. It's like we can be a more mindful climber. And I think, you know, whether you're on the route, whether you're at the base of the cliff or whatever, like just taking that moment as well to just close your eyes if you can, just take a quiet moment to be like, just feel yourself in that space, like feel your body in the space that you're at. And I think that that is such a powerful thing as well because it, it takes you away if you can at all, it takes you away from the intensity of the red point, the onsite, the comp, the climbing gym on a Thursday night, whatever it is. And you're just like, cool. I'm just, this is me. This is my body. I'm in this space. I'm here doing something that I actually really do love. I really love going climbing and I really love these elements. And the times that I've climbed to my best is when I've actually felt that and it sounds so corny but i've felt that gratefulness for being there i've like felt love towards someone that i've seen at the cliff that has been struggling or whatever and you're just like oh man i like I, I feel really like i feel a lot of love for this person because they're going through something and it, you suddenly have this like lightness in your body and it's i've never done it with the intention of like trying to like hack a red point out of this or whatever. But it's just an interesting correlation where you're like, oh, wow, I, I feel really light and grateful and loving in my body. And that then goes to climbing well. Okay, cool. Well, I feel awesome as a human in the world, as a non-climber, when I have these feelings in my body. And it also correlates to climbing. Maybe I need to manifest this a little bit more <laughs> into my life and be like, yeah, you know, work on it every day. And it's such a, um, I think it, 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 like so many other little bits in climbing, the, the more that we can um, invest in that in our life, the better all of our lives become. Mm. Well, the last thing I wanted to ask you about today was, and it kind of like just ties in with that comment that you just said there is all of us pretty much have um, reasonably busy, complicated lives that involve lots of juggling, multiple priorities and everything like that. And 
I think it becomes particularly hard when you're really, really, or particularly challenging when you're in really, really into a sport. And that thing requires plenty of time investment and energy investment and passion and things. But you also have other stuff that you also like and you want to do well on and you want to concentrate and you want to achieve. How do you, how do you juggle multiple things, you know, including job, family, you know, time and be so high end as well? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's just like, I, I think about that and you just like, I'm, I'm constantly adding more things into my life. Like you say all that and then it's like, oh, you know, I've really enjoyed YouTube recently. I've like really gotten into making YouTube videos. I, I really love it. Um, and it's this amazing platform to tell a story and I love telling the stories through it. Um, and so just add that in and that becomes like a lot of hours in a week. Um, I think it, it comes down to, you know, I, I try and wake up early. Um, I try and get a lot of sleep. I think that, you know, rest is key. I try and get like eight hours rest. Um, and then it's just like prioritizing things, you know, it's like, what, what is a priority? And like, these are the top things. And this isn't, this is something that I would love to do, but it's just not quite a priority. So I'm just going to let that go. It's like, you know, I really need to get my bouldering better. Sport climbing, I I need to let that go. Um, And we've got a calendar. So I've got an eight-year-old daughter and my partner. um, And we've got a calendar on our uh, pantry door. That's our week. And we just write down all of the things that we're doing. It's like, cool, Amanda's working from this time to this time. I'm at work. I'm going to train in the evening. Audrey's got dance lessons, blah, blah, blah. And it's all just like there. And to be able to just look at it and be like, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, I forgot that like Amanda has this. And it's just scheduled, basically. The scheduling works really well. And to have have that... um, that plan at the beginning of the week with your partner or you know whoever it is um and just working out what is a, a high value activity and a low value activity i spend way too much time scrolling through instagram looking at silly reels and that sort of thing um but i try and just catch myself and i've got a timer on it now where it's like no more than 15 minutes in the day and mm-hmm. most of the time i can be pretty good with that and what's your warning um, What's your warning signs where you think I'm, I'm putting too much in here. I'm not, I think I'm prioritizing, but I'm not because all, all of what you said so far, I think it sounds entirely logical. And I think we all go, well, yeah, you would, you'd diarize things, you'd try and prioritize. But in reality, I think a lot of people try and do that and it still doesn't work. So I'm thinking you must have good feedback loops around yeah, I think um, a, a, your, your partner is a good accountability like measure because, uh, yeah, when, when you're not holding up your end of the bargain, they're like, oi, what's going on? And, you know, the, you know, the, the ship starts to fall apart. And I think there's a blessing in, you know, people like, oh, your life's over when you have a kid. And it's like, 
my training has never been more directed. My climbing is like, like, no, no, no. I don't have all day to like muck about at the cliff. I've got four hours. I'm going to get the most out of this because then I've got to get home. I've got to sort out the washing. Then I've got to record that video. And like, it's just when you pack more in, you become way more efficient. I heard this thing called shark habits where it's like when a job comes up in front of you, like an email comes in, you're like, oh yeah, I'll reply to that later. It's like, no, reply to it now. It's like, I'll move my teacup from next to the computer later on when I clean up my desk. And it's like, no, I'm walking out to the kitchen now. Take it now. It's like all those little things as well. Um, I think just like do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Um, Yeah, I I think, uh, I think I just, one of the things that drives me is that I I feel like I never want to have like regret with things. And so I just want to make sure that I get it done. Mm. And I, I, I love sitting down and being lazy. I love it. I love sitting down and watching sport. Like I, I, I need those breaks. Um, but then it gives you just all this energy to go and like get stuff done again. And I think when, you, when you're actually locked into the things that you really love doing, um, it doesn't actually feel that difficult and you want to get them done and you want to see it finished. And yeah, just I, I think it's that prioritization of what is actually a priority and what is not a priority? What's like high value and what's low value in your life? Uh, and and just being really uh, honest with yourself around that. Yeah. Like, you know, be big, like, oh, I want to go to the pub and want to like do that stuff. And it's like, no, nah. no, nah, it's like less of a priority. It'd be fun, but it's less of a priority. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Hey, I think that's just like having a partner that, you know, Amanda and I, we both want to do the same thing. She's a climber. She's a business owner. She like, she wants to do all the same stuff. And so we just like, we check in with each other. I'm just like, cool. Like, how do we make this happen? How do we make this happen? And supporting each other. Like, you know, she went down to the Grampians the other week um, for, you know, drove two days climbing, drove home. And then I did the same thing. And so we're just like able to support each other through that and um yeah it's just fun it feels purposeful i think having that purpose is like such a major thing um in life it it makes you feel so much better when you have purpose and that's what throwing all those things in gives me it's like yeah i've got too much energy to (laughs) want to not do more you know it's like you it's like you know there's a million things you could not be doing the podcast you could not be doing like whatever, but it's like, nah, I feel like really psyched to be doing these things and like could just be chilling, writing out some training programs and going like, oh, whatever. Don't need to design a fingerboard. Don't need to run a podcast. I don't need to climb under bridges. Like, but you're just like, nah, this is awesome. And I think like when, you, when you're able to find those things that are your passion and you're psyched to do, yeah, it, it doesn't think- feel like you're adding more in. Yeah, you're totally right. And but I do sit back and go, oh man, like remember when I didn't try and run a podcast and a YouTube channel and like all the other things? Like far out. Yeah, I had a lot of time on my hands. Me mm-hmm. fill it with crap. I think all of us have got way more time in life than we what we actually think. Like you see so many people that can achieve so much with 24 hours in a day. 
and it's just a matter of like making that high value time yeah yeah well where, where can uh where can people go and uh where what what's your youtube channel what's your uh, what are the links where, where where is this all this output that everyone can go and find because i feel like yeah. you've got multiple touch points that people can uh, go and see all your stuff yeah i think uh mostly it's just instagram and youtube now um just tom o'halloran on both i think maybe there's an underscore in my instagram maybe I think so, um yeah. but if, you know if you if you look up tom o'halloran there's probably not many of us that have got um that name and a climbing profile pic um <laughs> uh yeah, look, I, I just, um, the YouTube channel is kind of like a, a little bit of the stuff that I think about with climbing, things that are on my mind or, or whatever, um, and just some of the climbing stuff, um, some sends and that sort of thing, um, which is really fun to share. And yeah, we do a bit of a, an Australian climbing uh, podcast as well called Baffle Days. Um we're trying to get more consistent with that just like through the Olympics, it was kind of chaos to try and keep on top of that. Um, and we're just like starting to get that back into gear again now. And it's really fun to have those conversations with people. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll, um, I'll make sure there's links that go to all these things in the show notes for this podcast. So people can go and find all that stuff. And, um, I think, uh, Tom is way too low key on his YouTube channel. Honestly, I've watched quite a few of the videos and I think they're really good. It's like a really nice blend of going and climbing, watching good, hard climbing videos and cool, inspiring stuff, but then also insight behind how to project and mindset and approach and methodology within climbing. Um, so yeah, definitely go and have a look at it. It's, it's really good. Uh, I like those kind of channels, um, but yeah, thanks. Thanks for joining me today, Tom. Um, it's been great meeting you. Uh, I don't quite know how our paths haven't really crossed before, but uh, yeah. uh, hopefully they will again in the future. Yeah, well, if we we're ever in a crowd together and someone shouts out, Tom, uh, both of us will turn around and be like, oh, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>